around the cauldron threads we go, moving fast and moving slow. Potions bubble, candles burn, as the wheel begins to turn. Truth we seek and truth we know, embers of the fire glow. Spirit, join me in this faith, join me in a warm embrace. joining me for this episode of Round the Cauldron. I'm your host, Megan, here to shed light on life as a modern Wiccan. This podcast is produced every Monday to bring knowledge of Wicca to those who seek it. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Round the Cauldron, on Twitter at Round the Cauldron without the D, and at my website, roundthecauldron.com, where you will also find show notes and links for each episode. If you like what you hear, feel free to leave me a review wherever you listen. You can also help support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for episode 7 of Round the Cauldron. Today we're going to be talking about the tools of the trade, the tools that we use in Wicca. Now first I want to say that... Depending on your tradition, all of these tools are optional. The most important tool that you have in your Wiccan arsenal is yourself. Um, but we do use tools for, for different reasons. So most of the time, a tool is used as an extension of yourself. It's used as a way to direct your energy, um, to clear energy, and... Um, even to cut any sort of ritual items. So depending on your tradition and your your specific type of witchcraft that you practice, your tools might be different. So I think I'm just going to go along this list that I made about um, the most common tools that we have in Wicca and go from there. Uh, so one of the most common things that we use in Wicca is called an athame. And you'll even see this in, in different shows and movies and stuff where there's witches, they have an athame. Traditionally, an athame is a double-sided, black-handled knife. Now, it might be sharp, um, but it's not used for cutting any physical objects. Um, the athame is used as a um, as an extension of yourself in a way to direct and cut energy, mostly during um, casting your circle, and it's also used in consecration of libations or water or wine. Um, it's dipped in a chalice because in in most traditions of Wicca, the athame is a phallic symbol. Um, it's a symbol of the god. And then it is dipped in a chalice, which is the, a symbol of the goddess and her womb. I'm not sure why traditionally it was black-handled. I can't answer that question. 
Um, however, in modern times, I think it would be acceptable to use any sort of knife that you're comfortable with. Uh, just make sure that it's not one that you would use to cut physical objects with. Now, here is an exception to this, because depending on your, your brand of witchcraft, um, this is going to be different. So, uh, for example, if you are what people classify as a kitchen witch, uh, you do most of your magic in the kitchen. It uses a lot of cooking and baking and herbs and vegetables and all kinds of stuff. Your athame might very well be one of your kitchen knives. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> like I said, the tradition is going to determine what and how these tools are used. Now, if you're like me and you practice by yourself, then that's also going to be different. I, myself, do not have an athame. Oh my gosh, you don't have an athame? You've been practicing this for more than 10 years. No, I don't have an athame. I don't find it, one, necessary. Two, I do have a child and a cat. And I don't think having a sharp double-sided knife anywhere in the vicinity is a very good idea. Um, but that's just my my personal preference. So take from that what you want. Um, the next tool that I'm going to talk about is the, bo the Boleen. Now, the Boleen is also a ritual knife, but this is one that it is used to actually physically cut things. Um, most of the time it's going to be used to cut herbs or carve candles, cut, like, physically cutting cords and ribbons and whatever you're using in your ritual at that or spell at that time. Um, I think I've seen some now that the blade is actually curved. Dixie, quit! That's my microphone! Everybody, my cat's trying to say hi. <laughs> um, but the baleen is used to physically cut things. And I don't have one of those either. <laughs> if I'm being quite honest, I actually don't have a lot of tools. And that's, that's fine with me. Then we have the bell. Now the bell, for one, is just really pretty to have. I like bells. Um, but their main purpose is clearing energy. Because we all know sounds have different frequencies. Different frequencies have different effects on the vibration and the energy that's in the room. So bells and even the... Um, the Tibetan singing bowls and symbols, uh, those all use sound to clear the space of any residual energy, any negative energy, just to sort of get it in a neutral, neutral space for whatever you're going to do. Plus they sound really pretty. And then we've got candles. Every witch has candles, right? Yeah, every witch has candles. Candles are... Candles in Wicca are used as representations of certain things. I know some people who have um, a different colored candle for each element. Um, there's people who have a different colored candle for their deities. And then, of course, we have candles for the purpose of candle magic. Um, I'm of the opinion that you can never have too many candles. However... I can't have scented candles in my house. 
um, for allergy reasons, so that gets a little harder for me to find the um, very pretty and multicolored uh, unscented candles. Probably gonna end up making my own. But anyways, I digress. Uh, can never have too many candles. And for those of you too who are in a place where you can't actually burn a candle, like the first thing that comes to my mind is you're in a dorm room, like you are in college and you want to, you want to practice your faith, but you, you know, you can't have fire in a dorm room. I think it's perfectly acceptable to have those little um, LED I think they're LED, I don't know, the little candles that light up and use a battery, I think those are acceptable to have too. And then the candles also serve another purpose besides magic, but if you are placing things on your altar um, as a rep representation of the different elements, candles, of course, would be a representation of the element of fire. And then some people have a, a chalice, which is just a really fancy cup. Um, the chalice is... It's a representation of the goddess and her womb and the the source of creation but it's also where you put your libations where you put your your offerings of water or wine um, it's where you would create your I don't want to say holy water because that sounds too Catholic for my taste um, but where you would you would consecrate your water for cleansing a space, for cleansing um, your cleansing and consecrating your tools, and for even um, for even cleansing yourself. I used to I haven't done it in a while. Um, I haven't really had the time or the space or the uh, mental capacity really to create my moon water. And then every morning and every night, I would dip my fingers in the moon water and draw a pentacle on my forehead. Um, sometimes my daughter would participate too, just as a sort of protection going throughout the day and while I'm sleeping. And then we have um, another tool is the pestle and mortar. So not everybody is really gonna need these. Uh, a pestle and mortar, for anybody that doesn't know, is like a little bowl that comes with a, I don't know how to describe it, like a, a crushing stick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's where you would put your herbs, um, any spices, um, anything really that needs that needs grinding. You put it in the bowl and you grind it up with your pestle and mortar. Then add it to your add it to your satchel um, for sprinkling around around your room. Whatever you're gonna do with the herbs, that's a that's the way to go about grinding those things up and getting them into either a powder or as small as they can go. The next thing I'm going to talk about is incense. Um, again, in my, in my home, I can't burn incense for allergy reasons, which makes me really sad because I love me some incense. But incense has been used for, oh god, hundreds of years. Hundreds of years in all kinds of spiritual practices. Um, from uh, Catholicism in the, the censer that the person swings back and forth, you know, um, to temples, and even even now people just burn incense for one because it smells really good. 
and uh, in Wicca, the different scents and the different components that the that that particular incense is made of, they all have their own uh, correspondences, just like the colors and the herbs and things like that. Each one has its own specific use. Um, on your altar, you can place the incense as a representation of the element of air, um, and then you can light it whenever you feel like it, or whenever a spell calls for it, or whenever a ritual calls for it as well. And then a lot of people also have statues um, or figurines on their altar, around their home. Um, I'm not sure of any other purpose that these serve besides being a representation of um, particular deities or spirits or what have you. Um, I have one little figurine that is... Uh, a figure of the goddess and it's my favorite and I really really like it um, and she sits on my altar uh, I haven't found one for the god yet that I really like but I think it's good to have these sort of figurines and statues just wherever you feel more comfortable or wherever you feel most comfortable um, just as a reminder of why you're why you do this and what you believe I think it's a good thing to have and these don't have to be super big, they don't have to be super elaborate. Um, you can make your own using uh, salt dough or the, the clay that you can get from any craft store. You know, they all, they'll all mean something different to each person and it's a very personal representation of any deity that, that you worship or you believe in. My cat just like came running up the stairs, running in my room, and stopped in the middle of the room and just stared at me. So that was strange. She's doing it again. She knows I'm talking about tools. <laughs> She's going to attack me. Um, so then, another really, really popular tool. I don't know. Well, I guess it's a tool. Um, it's crystals. Everybody loves crystals. Even, even some people who don't really follow this path or don't really believe in the healing and spiritual properties of crystals love crystals. And I think it's really funny because I don't know if it's some sort of um, innate behavior for us as humans. Maybe it's just because they're pretty and sparkly and we're attracted to shiny things. Who knows? Um, but crystals are really good to have if you have access to them, to keep them on your altar, to carry them with you. Each one has different properties and they're all used for different things. So if you're going to carry around a crystal, make sure that you make sure that you know why you're doing it and what that particular crystal is good for spiritually. Um, for example, clear quartz is a really good crystal for cleansing and clearing away negativity and negative energy and it's also one of those crystals that is a good um, replacement I guess for um, for any other crystal that you can't get your hands on so like if you needed amethyst and you don't have any amethyst you could use clear quartz because it's just an all-around good for everything crystal um, I actually have a, a clear quartz in the shape of a heart. It's maybe about the size of a quarter. 
and I do like to carry that around with me in my pocket um, whenever I can remember to do so. And then we have the pentacle. The pentacle is most often placed on the altar as a, a representation of the element of earth, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I associate it with in my practice. Um, but it is also a symbol that is used for protection. It's a symbol of our faith as Wiccans. And I actually have pentacle earrings and I have a pentacle necklace, so I like to carry my pentacle with me everywhere. Then we also have the wand. A lot of Wiccans have a wand, and the wand is also used to direct energy during spell work, during ritual. Um, it's just sort of an extension of yourself. So like if you don't have anathema but you have a wand, you can use the wand to direct the energy instead of the athame. And the wand is also an alternate representation of the element of air. And you know, despite a lot of the pop culture out there, the wand is not the source of the witch's magic. You know, we're not we're not all Harry Potter and Hermione Granger. That's not how a wand actually works. Um, and then with the wand, we have the staff. Um, and and the staff is sort of used for the same thing. And typically, a wand or a staff is made from a natural source, um, with wood being the most common. Um, a lot of people like to make their own, and it can be decorated with, you know, whatever you want. Crystals, herbs, ribbons, etc. Um, and as far as I know, the wand actually evolved from the staff. So the staff came first, and then the wand came out of that um, as something shorter and sort of easier to handle. Um, and then we have a besom. A besom. Besom? I don't know. Everybody says it different. Um, but a besom is essentially a ritual broom. So there's a lot of history that really surrounds the use of brooms in witchcraft, and most notably that is the uh, witches flying on the broom. It's said that witches in medieval times would ride their broomstick through the fields, uh, sort of jumping as they went in a ritualistic fashion to show the crops how high they needed to grow um, in order for them to be bountiful. It was also rumored that witches would create a flying ointment from several different hallucinogenic plants, rub it on the shaft of the broomstick, and then ride it. <laughs> uh, this exposed their genitalia to the hallucinogenic plants and allowing, allowed it essentially to enter the bloodstream and give them one hell of a trip. I don't recommend doing that. Please don't do that. Um, it's not sanitary and it's not healthy. Uh, so the word besom literally means a broom made of twigs tied around a stick. Uh, in Wicca, the besom is used to ritually sweep a space to clear the energy in preparation for any magical working. Um, it, can be, it can also be used uh, to ritually sweep a space anytime you feel that there's any sort of residual energy or negative energy that needs to be cleaned out of the place. Just sweep it out the door. Um, the besom isn't traditionally placed on the altar, but it's used before and after to cleanse the space. Um, it's also been said that you can use it as, as a decoration, and that however you 
choose to decorate with it, they all have different meanings. Um, so, for example, it's it was said that a vessel placed bristles up over or near a doorway was said to protect the house from negativity. So let me just go get my broom and um, do that because we don't need negativity in my house. And then we have a cauldron, you know, because you can't you can't listen to the Around the Cauldron podcast and not talk about cauldrons. Uh, along with a broom, uh, the cauldron is an item that is most notably associated with witches and witchcraft. Um, I think we've all basically had that image of our head, image in our head um, at one point of an old woman gathered around a fire, stirring a cauldron and cackling while she casts her spell or makes a potion. Um, and it reminds me of Macbeth, the, the hag sisters, you know, double, double toil and trouble. <laughs> it's not necessarily far off. I mean, we're not all old women. I mean, I'm fairly young myself. We don't all cackle, although I've been told that I have a really good witch's laugh whenever I am laughing really hard at something. But anyways, um, before the modern time and like the invention of the stove, cooking over an open fire is just something that we that something we did. Um, for us witches, though, come here, Dixie. Uh, the the cauldron's not just something that you make a meal in; it's closely associated closely associated with the divine feminine um, for one due to its shape and for two because it's it can be a center of creation oh you can hear her purring dixie you want to purr in the microphone oh listen to my kitty (laughs) Uh, so in in wicca we use the cauldron for making brews and potions and scrying Um, which is a form of divination. Um, It can hold ingredients for spells and it can be... Stop it! It can hold ingredients for spells and it can be uh, a safe space to um, burn ingredients depending on what your cauldron is made out of. Normally it's made out of cast iron and stands on three legs with an arc-shaped handle. Uh, Historically, this made it good for hanging over an open fire but it's still a useful piece of the cauldron today. The cauldron is closely tied to mythology, uh, most notably Celtic mythology. There's the myth of the Celtic goddess Caridwen, which involves her brewing a potion, um, brewing a potion for her son for a year and a day. Uh, And then depending on the size of the altar, the cauldron was traditionally placed in the center off to the right in the direction of the east. So the last thing that I want to talk about, all right, Dixie, you got to go. You're in the way, cat. Go over there. Oh, now I got cat hair in my mouth. <laughs> uh, the last, the last thing that I really want to talk about, as far as tools goes, is the Book of Shadows. Um, some people call it a grimoire. Some people call it a book of mirrors. And depending on your tradition, those, those three names can all have three different meanings. Um, but a book of shadows is essentially whatever you want it to be. If you practice with a coven, the Book of Shadows is going to vary from either your own personal, um, what you think the tradition coven look, or the tradition Book of Shadows would look like versus the actual coven's Book of Shadows. But most Wiccans will use a Book of Shadows for one as a journal, 
um, to write about any spells they've done and their outcomes. Um, they will write their beliefs um, and they will put in the different sort of sacred texts that that we use or that they resonate with, like the Wicked Reed, the Charge of the God and the Charge of the Goddess. Those things can be included in the Book of Shadows. Um, correspondence lists, uh, because we'll talk about this in a different episode, but correspondences can vary from person to person, from coven to coven, and from tradition to tradition. It's just going to depend. Um, and then they can put in different herbs and their uses and meanings, um, any information that they want to include about the Sabbaths, any information that they want to include about rituals and spell work and moon phases and like basically it's just your your whole witchy life in book form. Some people think that the Book of Shadows has to be handwritten. Um, I disagree because for one, not everybody can handwrite it. Some people have disabilities that prevent them from writing legibly. Um, some people have disabilities that prevent them from writing at all. And some people just don't want to write it all out and that's all fine. Um, a Book of Shadows can be handwritten. It can be typed and printed. It can be typed and stored electronically. You know, whatever works for you and makes it easiest for you to use and access is the way that your Book of Shadows should be done. Now, I will say this. Some covens require you to copy the Book of Shadows uh, word for word in handwriting, in your own handwriting. Now, that's not to say that every coven is going to be that way. Um, but from what I've found, that seems to be the case. Unless you're unable to do it, um, that might be what you're required to do if you're joining a coven. One final thing I want to say about tools in Wicca is they're useful, but they're not necessary. Um, I think the only one that I would think is necessary would be a Book of Shadows. Um, but again, that's all, that's all personal preference. The most important tool in Wicca is you and your connection with the divine, however that manifests for you. Don't get too hung up on going out and buying all of these tools and spending all kinds of money. I just, I see people just spending insane amounts of money on all of these tools. And a, a lot of the times it's because they look cool, which is fine. I mean, if you're buying something because you think it's pretty and it, that it looks really cool, that's great. But you want to stick with a practical first. And I am of the belief that if you're going to get a tool, you should understand its uses, you should understand its history, and you should understand how it connects with your practice itself. Don't go out and buy things just for the aesthetic. I, I disagree with people that do that. So I hope you guys learned something today about the different tools that we use in Wicca. Um, if there is a tool that you'd like for me to touch on, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you can send me a message on Facebook. You can email me at roundthecauldron at gmail.com. Uh, you can DM me on Instagram. Uh, you can comment on this blog post on this podcast episode. You know, however you want to reach out to me, it's totally fine. Um, I'll probably circle around and do 
another episode on tools again at a later date and just go more in depth on some of them. Um, but for now, this is just a really short episode. Um, I do have a little announcement before I sign off here. Um, we are in the process of moving. So February is going to be a crazy month for us. So I'm not sure if I will be able to get episodes out every Monday in the month of February. I'm going to try my best. Um, but if I don't, I will for sure shoot a message out on my blog, on my Facebook, and on my Twitter, and on my Instagram, and everywhere else uh, so that you know what's going on. And the episodes for the month of February will probably be a little shorter uh, than I'd like them to be just to sort of save time because we have a lot to do this month to get ready to move everything into a new house. So until next time, everyone. Bye. Please consider supporting this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. For questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email at roundthecauldron at gmail.com. The music you hear in the introduction and the outro is called Night Owl by Berg for Free, used under a Creative Commons Attributions License. 